1: I'm Hallie Labonte, and you're listening to Mega the Podcast, coming to you from Twin Hills Community Church, where we are giving our mega church a tiny family feel by introducing you to members of our church staff and community so you can be blessed by them. Woo! What a treat and a treasure. Each week, I'm joined by my co-host. He's the youth pastor for our high school ministry called Climax. Please welcome gray has everybody
0: hey Hallie so good to see you so
1: good to see you my brother in Christ I
0: am absolutely riding high because I just had an amazing experience with my youth this weekend
1: wonderful we
0: went on a little bit of an excursion oh it was really cool um, you know I started something uh, with climax called scared straight Ooh. and it's a really awesome weekend program where I take some kids out to uh, to Putnamville and uh, uh, the Putnamville Corrective uh, corrections facility uh, near Terre Haute.
1: Oh, why'd you go way out there?
0: Well, you know, I we can't go to a corrections facility in Indianapolis because they're just too nice. Oh. So we, yeah, we went out there, and it's awesome, Hallie. Have you ever heard of uh, Have you heard of this program I'm doing called called Skid Straight?
1: Yeah, it's basically where you make kids realize they don't want to have a life in prison, right?
0: No, oh no, actually, Hallie, that's that's something different. This is uh, this is my my program called Scared Straight, which is basically where we show teens. Uh, You know, what happens if you get into the gay lifestyle? Uh, because, you know, a lot of these Netflix shows and everything right now are showing okay. a lot of gay teens being really cool and having a lot of fun. And some of my teens were going, hey, that looks interesting. Maybe I'll maybe I'll go down that path. And I say, basically, guys, I'm going to show you what it's like if you end up choosing uh, the gay lifestyle. Uh-huh. So what we do is I take them out to this corrections facility and I basically say, hey, guys, you, t- so you start using the gay lifestyle, start doing that, choosing that. Then, you know, first, you're going to start dancing more. You're mm-hmm. going to get into doing party drugs oh. you know those drugs will get you arrested probably and you could end up here and jail is typically a place where you know once you end up there even if you, you haven't chosen the gay lifestyle a lot of people just go well I'm in jail I'm gonna be gay now so mm. you know I showed them this place and it in it uh, it's really interesting Hallie because um, I think it, it teaches them that you know when you go down a path like that there's some really Big repercussions.
1: Consequences. That's right. So do you think it worked well?
0: Uh, The program? Yeah. Um, I don't know, actually, Hallie. I've got to tinker with it a bit because, you know, the the juvenile corrections facility in Putnamville, what I didn't realize is actually for white collar crime. So it's pretty nice. And, you so know, there are
1: no real hardened, scary criminals Oh, here? no,
0: Hallie. We got there, you know, they were, all the, all the uh, convicts were playing tennis. Uh, some of them were playing water polo. They've got a really nice gym facility. Um, racquetball? They've got racquetball. I they've got racquetball. squash. They've also, uh, you Ooh. know, they, they've got an amazing arts program. And then oh, weirdly, cool. you can actually go there and get a four-year accredited degree from Notre Dame.
1: Notre Dame?
0: Yeah. So, you know, a lot of my kids were going hey, you know, this looks like a pretty good option for next year rather than paying all this money to go to college, maybe I'll just go here.
1: And kids are like, you know what? If I'm not going to be back on the campus, I want to delay college.
0: That's right. Most
1: of your kids probably couldn't get into Notre Dame on their own. That's
0: right. And but if
1: they got in through prison, they could go to Notre Dame. It's a prestigious school. That's
0: right. And, and then, you know, I asked the, uh, some of the guards there who don't even look like guards. They're wearing, like, Hollister and other cool brands. Okay. And, uh, you know, they just blend in with the population. You can wear whatever you want. Really? And I said, you know, is the virus a problem here? And they were like, no, we've not had a single case. Um. You know, it's not really even a problem in prisons. So, yeah, I'm going to have to choose another facility to keep my skid Mm -hmm. straight uh, weekend activities going.
1: Well, you know, sometimes you got to tinker with it and you live and learn. Isn't that right? That's right. You know, I was wondering about Notre Dame because it's Catholic, which I think sometimes they get it a little off. You know, they're a little too into Mary and all that stuff. They say, you know, uh, priests instead of pastors. They say, um, you know, apostles instead of disciples. A lot of
0: smells, bells, cockle shells. Mm -hmm.
1: But you know what? I realize Notre Dame is good because even though Catholics are just a tad askew, you know, they still hate abortion. So I think that we're friends. That's
0: right. What's going on with you?
1: I've been thinking about a lot of the same things you were talking about this week uh, because, you know... Our leadership summit happens every summer, and um, everyone always wants Steve to make some big announcement about the homosexuality, LGBT stuff. Like, you know, because other churches, some of these Methodists right. are going down the wrong path, and they want, you know, uh, you know, Willow Creek was going to say something, and they just said, you know, we followed the authority of the Bible, and the Bible says it's an abomination, so it's an abomination. And they kind of had their chance, and and so we just sort of follow suit with what they say. Right. And my book club this week, we're reading a book by. Uh my friend my my friend Denise picked the book this week. We each take our turns picking the book and she picked a book called Untamed and I said, Ooh, that sounds exotic. Right. And she said, Well, it's by a Christian mommy blogger. And I said, Well, I love all three of those words and I'm gonna love this book. I love Christians, I love moms, and I love bloggers. And a Christian mommy blogger, I said, This is gonna be the best thing I've ever read.
0: Right, it's a triple triple crown, triple threat.
1: And I'm and I just only read the introduction and I, we were talking about it as a group and one of the gals said um this the author uh, the christian mommy blogger uh is her name's glennon doyle okay. which sounds like a man but it's okay and um and somebody said she's married to a woman and i said but you said she was a christian right and she says she's a christian and they said well she's married to a woman and i said well what doesn't add up there right and so I said well I just feel too compromised and I'm not going to read this book yeah I, and I and I looked it up and she's married to that real good soccer gal who won the Olympics oh really yeah she was an Olympic athlete but you know what she kind of looks like she's got a guy's haircut and she's real tall with broad shoulders she's an athlete right and so I said well maybe it I don't know I just said I I have to play it safe and um, I'm just gonna skip this one I'm gonna skip it
0: what what are you going to read instead
1: well I'm going to wait until my book I already have my pick for the next time for book club I'm going to do um I, I want to do a comedy mm. and so I picked um seriously I'm kidding by Ellen DeGeneres oh she's so funny
0: <laughs> you know what Hallie I actually think Ellen DeGeneres is also married to a woman
1: no I don't think so she just interviews people and she's so fun loving and she dances and sneakers she is so funny she is just a hoot and holler and she makes me laugh so hard that's
0: great. You know, one thing that I was thinking is with the Leadership Summit, even though it was canceled, I, you, you know, you would think they were going to have the CEO of Starbucks mm-hmm. come speak uh, this this summer. And I just was like, well, isn't that a nod enough to the gay community because of Frappuccinos?
1: True.
2: This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace.
1: just like the disciples kept falling asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane, our guest today will put you to sleep in the best possible way. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Pam Nixon.
3: (laughs) Hello, (laughs) Ali and Gray. May I just say what a pleasure it is to be on the show, and may I congratulate you both on your frankly adorable accents. It really is nice to be here
0: i never even noticed my accent, so that's pretty cool. I mean, your accent, he sounds a bit like um, James Bond or
3: something.
1: James Bond? Or John Lennon? I
0: know,
3: it's so cool. Oh, so yeah. cool. I don't know who either of those two people are, but I assume they're, they're godly men and true.
0: Well, we want to know, well, I mean, first off, I was a bit surprised when you walk in here today, because you know, your name Pam, I was sort of like, okay, it's, you know, a middle-aged lady, and uh, then you came in here, and you're a middle-aged man. Ah,
3: yes, now that is uh, slightly embarrassing, and something thing i do have to uh, uh, contend with a lot when i'm in these uh, united states you see the thing is uh it, it's pam over here it, in fact in england my name is payham um oh. so it's actually yes it's actually two uh it's actually two syllables uh, payham and uh that actually is, is a, it's a tremendously uh common uh, boy or gentleman's name in uh, england
1: is that right? So it's a masculine name, Payham.
3: That's right. Yes. Uh, uh, we've had several uh, prime ministers uh, called Payham, um, lots of uh, uh, distinguished uh, footballers, um, yes, and other such... English professions, bakers, for example.
1: Well, I believe it because I'd never, I think you got some real unique names over there. I'd never heard of such a thing as Hermione. That was like, I was like, what am I saying with my mouth on that one? And um, I, but I think it's real neat that you can um, kind of use the same language, but make up different stuff. I like it. Uh, yes. I,
3: <laughs> and it, it's funny, actually, you mentioned Hermione. Uh, that name has actually since been re- uh, retired. It, it is now illegal to, uh, uh, to call your right. uh, child Hermione. Um, as there can and should uh, be only one. Uh,
0: Now, I want to uh, just also point out a part of your name, which is the doctor at the beginning of your name, um, because it seems like uh, why you're here today is we were just absolutely enthralled by the, uh, the book signing and the talk that you gave oh, here at Twin Hills. And by awesome. enthralled, I mean we were pretty much asleep in the first few minutes yep. Of, yep. of your talking. So and I'm, not
1: out of boredom.
0: Not out of boredom. Yeah. You actually put us right to sleep. Yeah, you,
1: you like It's like you cast a spell. Oh.
3: Oh. So tell us a bit why you're here. Well, you really are too kind to say that, uh, Halli and Grey. I, I really, uh, I must, I must protest at such generosity. But uh, yes, as you know, I am here uh, doing a a tour of my new book. I, I am a. a a, something of an anomaly, I suppose uh, a, a lot of people, and quite rightly uh, Point out that men of science Are typically ungodly uh, Heathens, heretics That's uh, But I am uh, of a rather particular stripe I am a sleep psychologist And a, ah. uh, a, a God-following, God-honouring And God-fearing uh, one And my uh, latest book is called Sleep with Jesus And, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I, am just thrilled to be invited to give my talk and thank you for falling asleep so promptly.
0: and you said that the way that you got so interested in sleep, and I'm just sort of like trying to remember from your talk before I fell asleep is that you were plagued for years by just unbelievable nightmares. And you said that most people, when they sleep, also are living in constant fear, mm. and you wanted to do something about it.
3: Yes, yes, that's right. Um, nightmares are something that uh, uh, plagued me from my from my early childhood. Uh, I, I had a very British, uh, very classically uh, British uh, upbringing. I sort of I, I grew up in in a kennel on the grounds of a castle, uh, and uh, you know, I I I had uh, seven uh, brothers and nine sisters, and uh, all. Oh uh, f- full 15 of them or however many i said i had uh perished by um, <gasps> really? by by the time we all left school and oh. uh well yes yes a, a deeply tragic state of affairs Sorry. but uh uh and as a result of um of uh of that sort of uh, uh upbringing uh i i i did you know i did used to listen to the the anguished cries of my siblings uh, um I, I, before i nodded off to sleep and, and that was something that persisted and of course you know that being a sort of natural thing i, I never really thought much of it until i went to university and oh. uh, suddenly found myself surrounded by a, um, a, a, a wonderful community of, uh, of, uh, of international students. And uh, I started to realize that perhaps my upbringing was not quite as uh, straightforward as I, I might have uh, believed.
0: So your whole litter died. That's and true. then you went to university. Where did you go? Cambridge, Oxford?:
3: I went to God's College kent uh awesome. yes awesome. The, the the gck it's a very small but very established institution um there are uh, really only a very few uh, subjects that you you can study there but they're all the correct ones um i had a wonderful time there uh, surrounded by uh, good christian uh, folk um i even rose to the ranks of a choir master in my uh, Oh, really? (laughs)
1: You say it's God's college, which just really excites me to no end. Now, I have a quick question because I know, and and forgive me if I'm just making assumptions here, but it seems like in England, things are kind of more regal or like high-minded or like... uh, what's it called? Like you have tea time and stuff and it feels like maybe your churches are more like high church or, you know, more traditional. And I, I just would feel so bad. I don't know if, if there's a place where you can come and worship that is kind of like the mega church culture, where you can have a drum kit and some cool concert lighting and where they fog the room and you know, where it feels, you know, it doesn't feel like a Sunday morning. It feels like you're at a rave in the middle of the night. Like, do they have any cool churches like that there?
3: Oh, Harry, I, I my fervent wish is that one day we have anything even resembling uh, the me- uh, mega church on my shores. You are quite right to point out that uh, that uh, worship in uh, in the, the the British Isles is, is is typically stuffy. The point of worship is to commune with God as quick as you can, just as quick as you can finish yourself off and get to God, and then we can all go home and and, and, and enjoy yeah. a, a soft yeah. chair. I've always thought personally that the, the the quickest way to community with God is through your dreams. It's through Ooh. the power of sleep and rest.
1: In many cases in the Bible, he would come visit people in dreams. That's that right? right.
3: And I love what you were saying about,
0: you know, the like we figured out basically during the day, during our waking hours, how to absolutely monopolize all our time to worship God. And then you were saying, but what we haven't done is figured out how to do that while we sleep. And, what, and and I just loved how you talked Absolutely. us through ways to worship while you sleep. It was just
3: amazing. Well, I I just think one of the most wonderful things about when you commune with God when you're asleep is that you're... you're, you're... You have access to a, a, a truly powerful imagination. Uh, when I commune with God in my dreams, sometimes he takes the form of an alligator who plays the piano. Sometimes he, he takes the, the form of two Britney Spears. Sometimes he takes the, the, the form of a, a, a mug with a cheery slogan.
1: I feel- Like, you know, my son, Day, he's always saying, Mom, you just attribute any good thing that happens in your life, you say, that's a gift from God. And it sounds like you can just do that with your dreams. You can say that mug with the slogan, that was God talking to me. Whatever it is, you can just say, that's God.
3: Absolutely. Wow. You know, once you understand how to uh, convert your dream images into holy images, it is it's wow. the end of sin. <gasps> it's the end of fear. It's the end of pain. And you can enjoy, like I do, blissful 16, 17, 18 hour sleeps. Oh, I love so-
0: how you said too that, you know, during the day, you can control your behavior, you can control your thoughts, but at night, a lot of times you can't, but what you, your whole method was teaching us is you absolutely have to have a stranglehold on these ideas that are coming up in your dreams to really control them, to make them God-honoring. And that was, so, right. that was so great because I like to think that sleep isn't a time to rest, which is what, I mean, you actually said that sleep is not a time to rest. You no, no, said It's
3: where you do your best work. Right. Exactly. Sleep
0: is where you do your best work, which I think is just a quintessentially awesome thing. I mean, it's almost an American idea.
3: Yes, and, and I'd like to thank you for using such an apt term, stranglehold, uh, Gray. Um, as you, as you'll know, uh, uh, Chapter Three in in my book is is uh, titled "Choke Yourself Out," and you know that is just it, it, it's another uh, method whereby, if you're careful, uh, you can achieve sleep faster and reach God quicker.
0: Well, that's right. Yeah, you actually said if you just apply a constant firm pressure as you're going to bed uh, to your throat, mm-hmm. uh, sort of on either side of your neck, you actually end up having really one of the most powerful uh,
3: sleeps that that you've ever had. That's right, and you don't even have to do it yourself. If you have a, a, a spouse or a nanny, uh, they can apply the pressure uh, as well um, to, to, to really make sure that they that they they see they see you off to heaven. Um, although you know, uh, one must be a, a little careful. I, I, it would be remiss of me to say that um, there have not been. Um, certain casualties uh, along the way in my uh, research, but um, as I'm sure you all know, uh, the 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 road the road to heaven is littered with casualties.
1: You know what, Pam, maybe that's what happened with your siblings is it's so hard to try to sleep in a kennel that they were doing any means necessary to try to choke one out or get 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 off to heaven as quick as they could. And, you know, I heard that that is what happened with Anthony Bourdain. It wasn't suicide. He was trying to get to sleep.
2: Mm.
3: And if only he had gotten to sleep Perhaps he wouldn't have committed suicide, but you are quite right to, uh, uh, to 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 bring this back to my to my to my dearly departed siblings. And uh, yes, I, I I must be I must be honest. They were instrumental in uh, the development of my research. And uh, yes, I, I in fact was was only too happy to help uh, some of my uh, brothers and sisters. Uh, five of whom were also called payem. So, five were called Payham. What were the rest of their names? The rest of the 19. Right. Yes. So, five were called Payham. Okay. So, that's plus me is six. Okay. So, there were 13 remaining siblings. Right. And their names were as follows Jessica, Annalisa, Rex, Simonton, Captain Smith, Shrapnel, Alistair Gray, Samuel the Great, Feathers, Boris, Clarissa, Jessica, two. Annalisa, too. Oh. You must miss them every day.
1: Were they believers? Do you know if they're in heaven?
3: They were all believers apart from Captain Smith, who was a notorious heretic. Um, We actually, uh, when we discovered uh, the depths of uh, our dear uh, sister, Captain Smith was a girl, uh, the depths of our our, our sister's uh, heresy, she was swiftly uh, burned at the stake. Um, And uh, we could all sleep a little easier that night for sure.
0: (laughs) Now, I do find it awesome that one of the coolest steps of your sleep method, Sleep with Jesus, is um, you sort of divide it up in the book between, you know, going to sleep, which we sort of covered, um, you know, getting into deep sleep uh, and controlling your dreams. And then one of the sections that I found really awesome was um, waking up with a shout to the Lord, which is when you wake up, instead of being all groggy, you should actually scream as loud as
3: you can. Yes, I just thought that was awesome. Yes, it really, and you really cannot scream loud enough. Uh, if you're, uh, I, I say, if the, if the police aren't called, you're not reaching God. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I really think that. You must, you must harness all of the the energy that you've conserved in your, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 hours of sleep, however long your sleep is. Um, I think really should be aiming for at least 16 and a half hour, hours of sleep a night. And you know, once you, when you harness that energy, you really must uh, funnel it into a, a violent, uh, blood curdling projectile aimed at the heavens, uh, in the hope that God hears you.
0: Right. And I like too, that you said, you know, sometimes you can just attach a word to it like, uh, Hey, or no, or why. And I think a lot of those, um, sort of just really get you sort of focused on the world that you're waking up into. Cause it is a, yes. it is a, 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 wo- a, you know, it's a place full of sin.
3: Mm. You can shout a word, an exclamation. If you're so inclined, you can shout a, a full formed sentence. I often wake up bellowing feathers. Forgive me. Um, at the top of my of my of my bloody lungs Um, and, uh, yes, the the important thing is the volume.
1: I like that you were validating that a lot of sleep is good for you because I'm someone who needs eight to 10 to even feel like a normal person. And I feel like people look down on that and they say, why do you got to sleep so much? And I, and, you know, I, I try to do jokes like, you know, beauty sleep and all that stuff. But, um, I like how you used the metaphor of the lions that lions sleep upwards of 22 hours a day and that it's not because they're, you know, digesting pure protein. It's because... Um, they're the king of the jungle, just like Jesus was the king of the Jews, and God is king. I thought that was really cool, because lions are something you can aspire to, and if they sleep that much, I don't feel as bad.
3: Right. That is absolutely... I I couldn't have put it better myself, Hallie. And, uh, you know, uh, lions, I just think, are such inspirational beasts. And if there is if there is a more Christian animal on this earth, then I don't want to meet it. Or if I had to meet it, I'd want to kill it and make sure they're extinct because it's lions for me every day of the week. (laughs) <laughs>
1: I, yeah, I mean, there's a reason C.S. Lewis made Aslan a lion. That was Jesus.
0: That's right. And yes. I love, too, that you, you said if you're not a
3: lion in sleep, you can always lie with a lamb. If you have the capacity, if you live in the country, take a lamb to bed. Take an actual lamb to bed. Oh. Uh, nothing will make you feel more like a, a lion than, uh, than than going to bed with, uh, you know, uh, hopefully a borrowed uh, lamb from a neighboring field. Uh, I would you know recommend giving it back. But take a lamb to bed, uh, pet it softly, uh, let its calming bleats uh, send you off to to Jesus. Um, It it really has it's I've seen that uh, pay extraordinary dividends before.
0: And I like how you said you can just count at that sheep over and over. But you know you say one, one, one. One, and eventually you're just going to nod right off. And, you know, there's only one God, so that's also a good number to keep in mind.
1: Now, was it challenging and difficult to get a PhD in psychology?
3: How many years did it take? Uh, To get my PhD? Yes. Uh, Six months. Oh, That is awesome. That is great. Well,
1: I'll tell you what, your book tour is just lights out. You're lighting up America. um, And I feel like most uh, people in the U.S. of A., they're they're, going to, like, think you're intelligent with that accent no matter how long your Ph.D. took. It just really doesn't (laughs) matter to us. You sound so intelligent.
3: Uh, well, that you are very, you are very kind and accurate to say so, Hallie. Thank you.
0: And I, I really love what you wear too, because it's like it kind of is like we we all have this idea in my in our mind of what a you know a, a fancy British guy looks like, and then you come out on the stage and and you basically look like that. And you said you were like, I don't know really what this means, but you said you know um, I only dress in Regency wear. I
1: was going to ask. I don't mean to be crude, but is that a powdered wig under that metal helmet?
3: Yes uh the the powdered wig is, uh, is is something of a of a necessity it's um it's you can probably smell it from here actually that's lavender Ooh. um i like to make sure that uh, I, I um that the, the powdering of my wig is not simply um cosmetic but it also i like to powder it with things that might help me not off at a moment's notice so lavender chamomile uh, uh, those sorts of uh, those sorts of herbs
0: and the metal helmet you said was an addition that your that your great grandfather took off a dead German during the First World War.
3: Yes, that is very uh, very true and well spotted. Great, yes, you, you've you've uh, you've got me there. This is the, the the one item of clothing which is not authentically authentically Regency, uh, because as you say, it comes from the scalp of a dead German uh, WW one soldier. Uh, and uh, I just think it, it, it's rather natty. And I like to, this is maybe a little superstitious of me, perhaps, but I just like to think that the, the threatening spike um, on, on, on the top of the helmet, I like to think that it that it acts as, um, you know, a, a kind of lightning rod for Jesus blessing, you know, and I, I, I like to, to keep it on and, uh, um, as often as I can, except, of course, in, in actual stormy weather, because it is a genuine lightning rod as well. Oh. Um, oh have you been so struck
0: you have you been struck
3: multiple times yes oh. multiple times um, and uh, you know they they uh, they you never forget your first <laughs> let's put it that way but and they do get a lot more manageable um, a lot more manageable after that but you know what I say um, if you happen to be thrown uh, struck down into a lightning induced coma which I have been well that's just more sleep and more time for the Lord
0: well, I guess lightning does strike more than once.
1: Now, I have a question about recurring dreams because I have a lot of recurring dreams. And the one I've been having lately is that I cannot get packed for the airport and I got to go. I got to catch a plane and I can't get packed. And it's the most frustrating dream. And I'm like, that has to mean something symbolically.
3: Oh, yes, I think you're I think you're absolutely right. It does mean something symbolically, Ali. And uh, if I may, um, I would like to uh, hazard a guess as to some of the symbology in your uh, oh, please. Oh, cool. If I may. Yes, please. And may I? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I may. would say
1: um, 100%, yeah. I yeah, may.
3: Well, then I suppose I may. Yeah. Hallie, you talk about uh, the difficulty of packing a suitcase to go on a journey. Yes, yes. To go in a plane
1: uh-huh, uh-huh.
3: that flies in the sky. Right, right, okay. right. Mm. Hallie, in this dream, I believe it is the socks that are lying dormant on your uh, floor, which represent God. They are the item you are destined to forget. Uh, the things that you are struggling to pack, these are your, 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 your doubts, your worries, your sins, your, your fetishes, dare I say. And the, 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 and the plane, that is, uh, that is Satan's arm.
0: You know, I basically never have dreams, but um, because you know, I usually don't sleep long enough to have them, and I always kind of try. You know, usually I'm I'm just thinking, you know, if I can stay sort of half awake, then I won't miss my alarm to go to the gym. But I do have uh, one dream, uh, especially you know, I did have one dream while we were in your in your talk, and basically what it was is, you know, I realize I look down and I'm sort of this like golden snake, and I'm really, but I'm like a snake that's got like really strong muscles. And I'm going along the ground and I'm like, wow, I'm like this really muscly snake and I can like sort of barely move. And then at one point I come up to um what looks like this like really cool sort of uh, crystal rock and I start rubbing my skin against it and all my skin starts coming off. And I'm like, okay, this is pretty weird. And then uh, like, I look down, all oh, my skin is off, and I look down at my body again, and it's like, oh, even, I'm like even a stronger, sort of different kind of snake, but I've got all sorts of crazy colors now. So, yeah, what does that one mean?
3: Mm. Well, I have been listening to Dreams for a long time, and I cannot... I cannot detect any sort of sense of symbolism in, in that dream, actually, Gray. I, I think that um, um, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, a lot of the time, dreams have secret meanings. Often, they're just weird clusters of assorted things, and I think this is one of those dreams.
0: Okay, great. So I can go ahead and ignore it.
3: I would, I would ignore it in the in the be- in the in the harshest possible uh, terms. Okay. I, I would, I'd go further and I'd say just bury it. uh, 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 bury it, try to really squeeze that down. Okay. Great.
1: Now, I just have one more sleep question for you, Pam, because I don't want to, I know everyone just needs to buy the book Sleep with Jesus, but we're just so lucky to have you here in person. Now, I don't have trouble falling asleep when I go to bed. I have trouble once I wake up in the middle of the night, one of my dogs jump up on the bed or whatnot, and I can't go back to sleep in the middle of the night. And it drives me crazy. And I'm like, what should I do? I've taken pills. I've um, sat and prayed. I've done um, circular breathing, even though I thought that was kind of a slippery slope Towards some kind of Buddhist cult thing, um, you, you know. What are your tips and techniques for if you wake up in the middle of the night and can't go back?
3: Yes, well, uh, you know, it, I, I'm sure we've all been there, haven't we? We've all, uh, I'm sure, none of us are strangers to those moments, those days where you, you 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 wake up in the middle of the night and you just you know you have the strange sensation of blood on your hands or something, and you just you 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 can't quite uh, you can't quite figure it out. But you know, I I would say I would say go through a book? Have you tried choking yourself out? Have you tried taking a lamb to bed? Um, You know, like if If after that, uh, always keep a glass of pond water uh, by your bedside. Um, Yes, pond water, very, very, uh, uh, very good, very soporific. Uh, Pond water, and what's more, uh, contains a lot of uh, nutrients often.
1: You gave such an interesting perspective that I'd never thought about in the New Testament story of Jesus sleeping in the boat while a massive storm was raging, and the disciples are all like, we're going to die. We're we're in that movie with Mark Wahlberg, A Perfect Storm. The waves are coming up over the side, and Jesus... Jesus is fast asleep in the he bottom is. of the boat. And, and they finally wake him up and they say, Master, Master, uh, the, we're going to die. And um, you brought it, and, and he comes out and he obviously calms the storm. And I think that's what we always think is the point of that story. But how you pointed out that, like, why did we never ask ourselves how it was that Jesus was in such a deep sleep in the middle of a, of a hurricane, it sounds like, on the Lake of Galilee, and, and, and that he was using these sleep with Jesus techniques. You can sleep through a storm.
3: Yes, that's right. Because, of course, Jesus himself was the first person to sleep with Jesus. And, you know, I I think the the evidence of him uh, uh, promoting good and healthy sleep is across the whole Bible. Thank you for bringing up one of my favorite stories involving uh, uh, Jesus asleep. And, you know, uh, another one of my favorite favorite quotes in Leviticus 5, Sleep, sleep, for if you wake, ye shall perish. And uh, uh, another one, if you sleep, worry not about the sounds which disturb, stop up your eyes, stop up your ears, and let the wave of the Lord wash through your body and swirl around your ankles.
0: Uh, And I also like that you point out, it's probably a mistranslation in John 11. It's probably not, Jesus wept, it was, Jesus slept
3: absolutely I, I think that's almost uh, beyond doubt uh you know it, it, it's of course we are all aware that um in uh, in in old in old english uh when uh, a lot of the early bibles were written uh, the letter W often looked like the letters um, S <laughs> L, right. and uh, you know there there are a, there are a few other examples of that mix up that uh, occur at various points in the Bible.
0: That's right, and it's so funny to think too that you know after Lazarus died, Jesus went to sleep. He he just took a nap. He didn't he didn't he wasn't sad about it. Wow. He
3: slept on it. It's no.
1: all over the Gospels, yeah. and I've never realized it. He just couldn't stay awake.
3: And do you know why Jesus? slept after lazarus died no because he wanted to be with lazarus again
0: Ah, oh, that's so great and then he just went off to be a little boat bottom boy and sleep his way through a storm that's awesome
1: are you married?
3: Uh, well, <laughs> I, I'm a widow. I am. I'm currently oh, a. Heavens. I'm currently a, 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 a widower. I, I'm afraid. Uh, yes, I, um, widower. Widower again, as they as oh. as, as they say. Um, oh,
0: oh, again, meaning uh, two So, so it's it's happened before.
3: Oh, I wish that it was just two times. Then no, sadly, okay. I have lost five wives. Um, oh, heaven! Yes. Heavens. Uh, all in God's service uh, but oh, man. Uh, but uh I so i I, I am a I'm a, a bachelor again
0: in in how oh, that's so I'm so sorry how did they pass
3: oh uh, choked to death uh choked to death in the in the, uh, in in the service of uh obtaining perfect sleep Wow
1: that is tragic. Well, I'll tell you what, Pam, when you reach those pearly gates someday, they're probably all going to be waiting for you, and they're all going to be demanding your attention. You're going to feel like you're uh, you're Bill Paxton in Utah.
3: <laughs> I know they will be waiting for me, because I see them every night in my dreams. Some of them are lizards, uh, sometimes they're road signs, sometimes they're five identical bowls of cereal, but I know that they love me, and they'll be waiting for me at the pearly gates when it's my time.
1: Ham Nixon was played by Graham Dixon. He's the founder of my favorite theater, the Free Association, London's premier improv theater and training center. And you can see him playing there, doing hilarious improv, or in the show he co-founded, Ostentatious, playing in the West End. Follow him at Graham Dixon. I'm Holly Laurent playing Hallie LeBant, and Grey Haas was played by Greg Hess. Follow us and Mega the Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And if you really want to get out of hell free card, support us on Patreon. The link is in the show notes.